Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we are here with our hour of power, and I've got a lot to say, so I might have to throw it down into gear. I remember when I was a little girl, my grandfather, he would take me on the tractor, and we would go back into the hauler. Now, y'all hadn't been in Tennessee till you've been to the hauler. And in the hauler, you couldn't drive a car, or his work truck couldn't even go very far into the hauler. He would have to get, we'd get out of the truck, get over onto the tractor, because it would, there were so many ditches and so many different rough terrain, but the tractor could make it. And he would get that tractor and throw it down into low gear, and we would just trek through all that terrain. And so that's what I want to do tonight. I want to unpause from where I paused on Sunday morning, and I want us to cultivate the love of God in our lives, amen? And so let's, let's uh, just go ahead and move out, out into that, that gear where we can just cover the ground that we need to cover, amen? Because when we're talking about cultivating the love of God, we've looked at Galatians chapter 5, and we'll return there as our launch off point, because we need to understand God's part and our part in this development. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And the Lord told us back in October of last year that the fruit of the Spirit is vital. And if you want to check somebody's vital signs, the purpose in doing that is to check their health, to check how well they are. You check their vital signs to see what their blood pressure is. You check their vital signs to find out, you know, if there are any areas that are offline that are not working correctly so that it can be treated. And when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, it's our spiritual health. It is what is determining the strength of our life, the health of our spirit so that we can thrive regardless of what's going on around us. We're not limited. We're not hindered by what's going on in, in the world system because we're not of this world system. We are in the kingdom, and in the kingdom we have access to the character of God. We have access to the love of God, the joy of the Lord, the peace that passes all understanding. And so we can learn to cultivate these forces that are available to us so that we can live out of those forces and not try to make it through situations with our emotions only. We have emotions. We don't, we don't negate those emotions, but they're not the source of our life. They're not the source of the strength that we're depending on. We, the, the strength that God has placed us is, it, within us is spiritual strength, and it's these forces, these fruit of the Spirit. And so when it says these, for instance, love, we recognize we're not talking about the emotion of love, and we're not talking about any human love. We're not talking about the romantic love or the familial love, the, um, the brother.
brotherly love. We're talking about the love that God is. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, again, not an emotion. It's a force of your spirit. You can, have, you, can ha- you can be strong in joy regardless of what the situation is offering you because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that joy is activated by the rejoicing of the heart. So that means if, if you can breathe, you can have joy. <laughs> if, you can, if you can just even in a whisper say, I rejoice in the Lord always Again, I say it rejoice. You don't have to say it loud. It doesn't have to have a lot of volume. But if you will just dip down into your spirit, you can draw out of your salvation what you need with that container of joy. So love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And now listen, Pastor has been going through with his teaching on peace, and he's brought out aspects about temperance and aspects about long-suffering and goodness. And so I encourage us all to go back and feed on those because those have been rich in revelation. And there are things that I didn't get it the first time, but when I go back through it, I'm like, I missed that the first time he said that. And so go back and, and, and rehearse those again. But I want to give my emphasis to the love of God. And the love of God in us and the love of God to us. Because for us to adequately, accurately, effectively love other people, it requires first the receiving of the love of God for us. So if you want to love better, receive the love of God more or more accurately, I should say. So let's go first, John with our next step in this. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, Behold. Now, whenever we see a scripture that says, Behold, it is pointing to something important. Behold. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So how do we see the love of God towards us? We see the love of God towards us as we look at all those different aspects of our redemption. When we begin to really put the microscope, the magnifying glass, to the details of our redemption, we'll come away knowing God really loves me. Oh my, what he did for me, how he prepared this. This is an eternal salvation. This is a salvation that is so solid. This is a liberty that is so complete. This is a new life that is so, so uh, supplied. When we began to look at the details, he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Such a complete redemption that we aren't just brought out he didn't just drag us out of the pit and just hose us down you know from all the muck and the mire that we had been in he brought us out and made us new and made us children made us his very own we're not stepkids we're not we're not adopted and you know uh and hidden in the back corner he made us heirs of God and joint heirs. He's like, come on in. You're just as much a part of the family, just as much my son as Jesus Christ. A joint heir is an equal heir. Hallelujah. That's the 
And so he said, you've got to look at it. One translation says, consider. Consider this love. And again, the more you look at it, the more you purpose to open the pages of this love letter and look for the way God loves you. You know, not looking for uh, sinners in the hand of an angry God kind of sermon, but looking for how God prepared the way, how God established your redemption, how God prepared for years and years the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's his love that went through and through weaving through, through chapter after chapter his plan to redeem us. Consider, behold, consider, see what manner of love the Father has towards us. Because you haven't seen it anywhere else. You've never encountered it anywhere else. You have not found it walking through the streets of the city. You've not found it in a bar. You've not found this love in, in a country song. You've not found this love anywhere, even in, in the rhythm and blues song. It's not in there. The love that God has for us, it has to be seen through the word. For us to really experience and know this love, he, he even had the Holy Spirit author a prayer. A prayer, Father, that the, the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know what is the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He said, this needs to be something that you're praying it out because it's not seen in just a glimpse. It's not seen in just a little uh, a view, one, one peep in through those little spyglasses. No, you've got to look, and the more you look, the more you see. The more you consider it, the more you behold it, the more you'll understand of it. And so this love, as we look through the word, as we look through redemption, because redemption is the demonstration of his love for us. When we look at our salvation and how he didn't just wash the sin away, but he changed our nature. How he, how he established us in the family. This is the love of God on display for us. All of the aspects of salvation and redemption are for the purpose, the ultimate goal of restoring us to a place of sonship, a place where we are children with full right and inheritance. Hallelujah. So the more that we know the love that God has towards us, the more we can develop that love in our heart for other people. Now, let's take a little bit closer look at this love. Psalm 103 and verse 13. And I think I'm going to ask for the Amplified as well. Psalm 103 and verse 13. Because we want to let the Word of God reveal the love that God has for us. It says in the King James, Like as a father pitieth, his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Now, because to me the word pity means something different than the day that it was written here in the King James and even uh, uh, in, in our day, it, it kind of means have mercy, you know, like, you know the southern colloquial saying that if you say, oh, Bless his heart. What you're really saying is, 
it's awful. You know, they're, they're, they're in the bad shape, right? Right? And so a lot of times the word pity, we think, oh, have pity on them. Like they are in such a low-grade condition. They are so bad that you just might as well have pity on them. But the word didn't mean that in the original language. So the Amplified will help us. It says, just as a father loves his children... So the Lord loves those who fear and worship him with all filled respect and deepest reverence. So this is a more accurate to the original word used for pity. The word is translated or defined as to have compassion, to love deeply, to have tender affection. So the father has compassion. He loves deeply and has tender affection for his children. The Young's Living Translation says, As a father has mercy on sons. The NIV says, As a father has compassion on his children. And so we see here that it's not pity as in God looks at us and feels sorry for us like we would define pity in our society today. This is saying God so deeply loves us that when God looks at us, there is a compassion that moves in his heart. There is a, a yearning, a, 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 a deep well of, of love and affection for us. I think you need to remind yourself of that when you go into prayer. You know, when you go in to approach God and you come in, here's, here's how a lot of times, not y'all, but other people sometimes, they come into the presence of God. Oh, God, I'm sorry I didn't pray yesterday. Lord, I'm sorry I, I didn't even read my Bible for the last two days. Lord, I'm so sorry. I, Lord, I, Lord have, have mercy on me. Forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. Forgive me for this. I know I'm not this. I know I'm not that. I know I'm falling short here. I know I'm not, not doing what I need to do here. And the whole time, God's like, hey, 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 I love you. I love you. It, that's not what's on their mind. All they can see on their mind is how they've fallen short, where they've missed it, what they haven't done. Instead of coming and saying, Father, I thank you for your mercy. <laughs> it's definitely, if we need to repent, repent. But you don't even have to wait. Just if you, the moment you do something you need to repent for, repent then, and that way it's out of the way, right? And then when you come to him for that daily time, it's not something you have to dread because you're going to rehearse all of the things that the enemy wants to point out. And listen, sometimes it's not the enemy. Sometimes it's our carnal mind. I remember Brother Cap said one time he was praying, and he said, he said, Lord, the devil's been telling me, the devil's been telling me. And he said, I thought if you resist the devil, the devil would flee. And he said, well, yeah, yeah. And he said, well, did you resist him? He said, yeah, I resisted him. And he said, well, then that's your carnal mind. The renewing of the mind, it will bring us to the place where we recognize, yes, I've repented for that, so I'm going to go in and I'm going to talk about, Father, I want to say thank you for how you love me today. I want to say thank you, Lord, for your favor that's on my life. Father, I thank you that you're crowning my year with your goodness. Lord, I come before you and I rejoice today. And then you know what? You're talking about what God really wants to talk about. Because what's on his mind, what does he have when he looks at you? 
affection, compassion. There's a love in him that he wants to express to you. He wants you to know, I love you. And he wants that to be on your mind because that's what's on his mind. Amen? That, that God loves me. Because when you begin to rejoice in how much God loves you, it stirs up how much you love him. You know, when a person is constantly saying, oh, God, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for that, what's on their mind is God's judging me. God's looking at me, and he's finding me lacking. And they're not thinking about the goodness of God, the love that God has for me. So that's why we want to renew our mind, right? We don't want to have that carnal mind that is that the enemy can plant those seeds of condemnation into, and then we let them harvest, and we just feed them with our mouth and say, well, you know, I'm not a very good Christian. I haven't done this, and I haven't done that, and I fell short here, and I fell short. We've all fallen short. So let's just go ahead and look at Jesus. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the only one who's never fallen short. Let's look to him and say, Lord, I thank you that I'm in Christ, that I abide in him, and he abides in me. And, Lord, wherever I am falling short, you'll help me. And, Lord, strengthen me by your spirit and my inner man because I desire to walk in your way. Amen. Amen. So knowing the love, it says we've got to look at it. Behold, consider, see the love that God has for you. God looks at you with compassion. He looks at you with tender affection. He looks at you as a father who loves his child. What would it be like if, if let's say, for instance, uh, in, in, in our family, if Liliana, every time that she walked into the room, she walked into the room and she said, oh, Daddy, I didn't put my clothes away. And Daddy, I, 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 I left my toothbrush on the floor. And Daddy, I didn't, I didn't put the milk out after I got it out and, or put it, put it back in the refrigerator. God, I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I didn't do that. He doesn't want to talk about all that. He does not want to talk about it. He's, he's, his question to her every day is, what was the best part of your day? You know, and he gets her talking about the fun because he's interested in her life. He's not interested in the things that she's done wrong. Amen. So we have a relationship with our father. He wants to talk to us as his children. And he wants it to be talking about the love that he has for us and the love that we have for him. And everything else we can work it out. Amen. Everything else where we've fallen short, he'll help us in. He's not here to beat us up. He's here to help us. He's here to strengthen us. He's here to lift us up. Amen. Psalm chapter 40. Let's look in the Amplified again. Psalm 40 and verse 5. Psalm chapter 40 and verse 5. I'm going to read the King James first. It says, Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. Now listen, this is a great conversation. We can have this conversation. Are you impressed with the wonderful works of God? Okay, then you can take this scripture right here and you can, you can employ it. You can put it to work in your prayer time, in your praises. Lord, your works, what you have done, and your thoughts towards us. Many are your thoughts towards us. Hmm, what's God thinking about me? What is God thinking? It says, many are your thoughts towards us. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto you. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. 
God's got you on his mind. Hallelujah. God's got you on his mind. Let's see the amplified here. Many, O oh Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts towards us. No one can compare with you. If I should declare and speak of them, what, your works and your thoughts towards us, they are too many to be numbered. Hallelujah. God's thinking about you. He's thinking about your life. He's thinking about how to put you over in life. He's thinking about how to help you. He's thinking about how to bless you. He is a blessing God by nature. He is a love. He is, he is love personified. He is love. And he loves you. And his thoughts are love thoughts towards you. And it says there's so many you cannot number them. That's, that's not just uh, scattered them out. His thoughts toward Michelle Smart are so many that they cannot be numbered. The way that he has looked at her life and said, you know what, I bet she would love this. Ooh, she's going to enjoy this. When she walks into this stage of her life, she's going to love this. He, his thoughts towards us. What? are included in these thoughts that cannot be numbered. Let's look at some of those things. Psalm 115 and verse 12 gives us an idea of what God is thinking about us. Psalm 115, verse 12. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. That's what he's thinking. He's been mindful about how to bless us. He's been mindful about... Covering our life with his goodness. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. Hallelujah. Psalm 139 and verse 13 also gives us a clue as to what these thoughts that cannot be numbered contain. Psalm 139, uh, let's look at 13 through 18. For you have possessed my reins. You've covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous. Who made us? It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. And he made us so intricately. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your fingerprints are unique. There's no one else in this entire planet who has a fingerprint like you. No one else who has a voice print like you. No one else. He has so considered you that he knows the numbers. He has numbered the hairs on your head. Not just knows how many. He knows what number each one of them is. He's so involved in our life. It says... That we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect and in your book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Hallelujah. When the... When the ankle bone was being connected to the leg bone and the leg bone was being connected to the thigh bone and the thigh bone was being connected to the hip bone, God was thinking about all the connections. Hallelujah. While you were being formed in your mother's womb, 
he was intimately acquainted with you. Hallelujah. That's what he told Jeremiah. He said, before I formed you, I'd already planned out your good things. I've already ordained for you the things you're going to walk in and the, the great things you're going to do for my kingdom. He said, before you were formed, I knew you. I was intimately acquainted with you. So here we see, verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Another witness of how many thoughts God thinks about us and how precious they are. Hallelujah. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Hallelujah. God is thinking about us. He formed us, and he thinks thoughts about our value. When we begin to look at the price that was paid from Genesis when Adam and Eve fell, and God even from that moment began to discuss the redemption and speak out through his spoken rhema word, the Redeemer, and, and all throughout the Old Testament, declaring and outlining and structuring the redemption that he has for us. Hallelujah. The whole time he was putting a value on you. He went through all of that with the preparation and preserving the lineage and preparing the hearts of the people of David and, and, and the, the, the ones who, who stood and prepared the way for Jesus so that the blood of Jesus could wash you because you're that valuable. Hallelujah. So we see the thoughts that he thinks, how precious, the word precious in verse 17 is a reference to value. Not sweet like we would use the word precious today, like we look at a little baby and we say, oh, how precious. And we're saying how sweet. The word in actuality means how value. It's like a precious jewel, a precious stone. It's so valuable. There, are, there aren't very many like it. And that's what gives its value. And God says, you are so unique. You have such value to me that I prepared a lamb to wash away your sins so that you could be restored to relationship to me. Hallelujah. That's the value that he has for us. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, that's one of our favorites, isn't it? To look to when we think about God's thoughts for us. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Did you know that the Bible had this many references to how much God thinks about you? How great is the sum of his thoughts? How precious are his thoughts towards us? And here God is saying, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace. And the word peace is shalom, well-being, nothing missing, nothing broken. Every thought that God has about you contains the power to build and restore your life. Hallelujah. They're thoughts of peace. The peace that restores. The peace that makes whole. He said, the thoughts that I have for you are thoughts that will lead to a stable life, a whole life, a complete life. 
thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you. So he's thinking about how to give you an end and an expectation, an end that's worth worth looking forward to. His thoughts are about giving to you. The thoughts God thinks for us are thoughts that will construct our lives into wholeness and give us the end and an expectation, or you could say the end that's worth looking forward to. That's my translation. You can put the Michelle Steele translation of Jeremiah 29, 11. The end that's worth looking forward to. When we look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, Are you tracking with me? We're almost there. We've got our hour of power. I'm I'm pumping it into you because we're going somewhere. I'm working on a building, working on a building, working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord, for my Lord. Well, if I were a preacher, I'd tell you what I'd do. I'd get right down to preaching and I'd work on my building too. I'm working on a building, working on a building, working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. Hebrews 13, 5 in the Amplified. Let's read. I've got the Amplified right away. I'm going to go to it. It says, let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, And be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For God himself has said. Are you here with me? Look at it on the screen. God himself has said. Are you ready for what God has said? Is this in your Bible? God has said this, right? God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you. Talking about what God's been thinking about you. I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Hallelujah! I will not leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you or let you down. I will not relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Let's just go ahead and put that one on the mirror. (laughs) Let's go ahead and put that on the mirror and say, Lord, thank you for saying (laughs) you will not, you will not, you will not in any degree leave me helpless. Hallelujah. The reason the Amplified gives such an emphasis is because the emphasis is there in the original language. God himself has said this, I won't let you down. I won't fail you. I won't forsake you. Hallelujah. He wants us to know it. If if we are full of these thoughts that God has for us, you know what? A person who is really aware that God thinks this about them isn't going to abandon God, isn't going to brick wall God or say, I don't have time for you. They're going to say, God loves me so much. I think I'm going to go do something for him. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go talk to him. I think I'm gonna go read his word because he loves me so much. There's help in here for me. Amen. Psalm chapter twenty-three, verse one. 
It's a familiar one, but we're talking about what God thinks about us. What are some of the things that he thinks about us? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The word of God calls him our shepherd to emphasize the oversight and the provision that he has for our lives. He wants us to know him as shepherd. He wants us to consider that. Remember it said, behold what manner of love the Father has. Consider what manner of love the Father has. Look at it. Focus on it. What manner of love the Father has towards us that he's made us sons, sons of God. He's our shepherd, meaning that he's there with his protection. He's there with his provision. Didn't he just say it? I will not, I will not, I will not leave you without support. He's our shepherd. He's already in the mindset of provision. You never have to talk him into it. You never have to twist his arm and say, please, God, please, God, come on and help me out here. Can't you just, you know, help me just a little bit? No, he's like, I want to bless you. My thoughts towards you are to make your life so sound, so complete, that there's nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. 1 Peter chapter 5, again in the Amplified 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. I may read them both, King James and Amplified, because sometimes I like just to compare. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The Amplified says, casting the whole of your care. Casting it all. It, there's not any care that's legal to hold on to. It's contraband, right? We don't want to be good. We don't get caught with care. Like, what you doing with that care in your pocket? You know, a pat down. You know, we, we worked in the prison system some with the volunteers going in and, and the pat down. I had to come through. They, they pat me down when I came through the airport this morning. Pat me down. I didn't have any contraband on me. I was like, no contraband. But what if the Holy Spirit gave us a Holy Spirit pat down and said, what's that care that you've got right there that keeps working that worry that in your mind? What's that care? He says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all is inclusive. It leaves nothing out. All your worries, all your concerns. What? And for all. You know what that means? Don't take it back. You heard Pastor Nancy Dufresne talk about when she was a little girl. She liked to go to the fair. Her mother gave her a quarter. And she said, I didn't want to ride the rides. I didn't want to ride the Ferris wheel. I didn't want to go over here and play those games. She said, I went to the jewelry. You know what kind of jewelry you get at the fair for a quarter? Right? She said they pulled it off a spool the little cheap chain, and then they would attach the little hooks on the end. But she said, I, I kept it on all the time. I wore it in the bathtub. I wore it playing. I wore it while I was sleeping. And so within a couple of days, it had all these little knots in it. And she said, I've got my little child chubby fingers trying to pull those knots out of the chain. 
And, and the more that I pulled, the tighter those knots got. And my mother said, here, give that to me. And her mother would take the little, the little needle or the pin, the straight pin, and she would gently untie all those knots. And she said, just when Mama got them almost out, I grabbed it back and said, okay, Mama, I can get it from here. And she said, within a moment, I had that knot right back in place. And her mother said, if you'll let me finish. And sometimes we give our cares to the Lord, and then a few moments later, we're driving down the road, and they're right back in our thoughts. We're like, how did that get back in my, it was like fly paper. It was stuck right to my hand. I gave it to the Lord, and then I walked away, and like, what am I doing still thinking about that? He says, once and for all. Can you bring that back up for me? Once and for all. That's what we want to do. Why? Because if God's thinking about me, these thoughts of peace, these thoughts of provision, these thoughts of how valuable I am to him, how rude is it for me to have my mind over here thinking on things that he told me I don't need to have those concerns if the Lord is my shepherd why would I worry if the Lord is my shepherd why would I be concerned so once and for all why why do I do this casting of my care because he cares for me affectionately and he cares about me watchfully so there's the compassion, the affection, the love that he has. And in that love, in that, in that affection is his protection and his provision. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 10. We're talking about the thoughts. We're, we're seeing from scripture the love that God has for us. Matthew 10, 29. Jesus gives an illustration to help in this. He is also telling them not to worry and not to carry their care. And he says in verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, the New Living says, without your father knowing it. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. He says, even the birds, the Father's aware of what happens to every one of them. But he has numbered, not counted, numbered the hairs on your head. When you brushed your hair this morning, he knew which numbers fell out. You say, why does that matter? It matters to him. He's intimately acquainted with you. He's aware of your life. He knows what you need. Hallelujah. It says, the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so do not fear. You are of more value. So, the, the, you know, the Bible says that Perfected, well-developed love drives fear out the door. That's what Jesus just said. He said, don't fear because your father cares for you. You're of more value to him. 
He loves you. If you'll develop in the love that God has for you, you'll drive fear out the door. You won't fear. Why? Because God loves me. How, if, I am, if I am established in that love, if I'm convinced of that love, what would I fear? When I know the Lord is my shepherd, when I know the thoughts he thinks towards me, when I know how, how precious the thoughts that he has for me, if I am established in that and I have faith in that and I'm confident in that, then I know that no weapon formed against me will be able to prosper because God loves me. Amen? There's this connector, this strength, this this avenue that we open up when we, when we strengthen ourselves in the love that God has for us. That causes a, a, a maturity, a developing, and a strengthening in our spirit that inoculates us against the fear that the enemy would like to bring against us. We need that inoculation. We need, we need to be so, so... Uh, rooted and grounded in love. Isn't that how the New Testament uses that phrase? Rooted and grounded. Like an oak tree, not a little pine. You know those pine trees, the wind will blow and it just pulls them right up. Their roots aren't very deep. But you get an oak tree and that oak tree goes down into the ground. And that's why our love, we need to be so rooted and grounded in the love of God that we drive the fear out. Fear doesn't even have an entry point into our life. Why? Because we know how much God loves us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I have one more here. Let's look at John 10. I actually have more, but I don't know that I could go into the next section without having to lay a different uh, avenue. That We'd have to hit another gear on the tractor. So I'll pause when I get done here and we'll pick it up again. How's that? John chapter 10, let's look at first at verse 11 and then at verse 14. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known of mine. Hallelujah. The word know means to become acquainted with, to be, to be intimately acquainted with. So it's not a casual knowing. It's I know you. I know you. I know all about you. Hallelujah. He said, I am the good shepherd. We need to talk to him with that in our mouth. You are my good shepherd. Worship him as your shepherd. Thank him for being your shepherd. Lord, you are such a good shepherd. Jesus, I, Father, I am so thank you for Jesus, my good shepherd. Hallelujah. He has given his life. And so, again, to strengthen yourself and to develop this confidence in the love of God, look at the demonstrated love in the redemption. When you see, he said, I give my life for the sheep. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. 
the chastisement necessary to obtain our peace was laid on him, and by his stripes we are healed. When we look at that, we see that's the love of God. That's the love of God. I never have to say, Lord, prove it. <laughs> he already did. All I have to just look at the proof of how much he loves me. Amen. And then as we are established in the love that God has for us, we'll be equipped to love other people with his love. Because we will have it received, we'll receive it, have it rooted and established in our life. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I believe.